turn your attention this morning to the book the song of Solomon or Solomon's song thank you so much you know I will say about these I was preaching for Brother Westberg and they got a new microphone Brother Elder for the pulpit he told people not to touch the microphone so when I got up to preach I stood back here Immediately after the service, some guy in the church wanted to make an announcement. He got up and he cranked that uh, multi-dollar microphone, and I just went. <gasps> that night, we gave a service, and the elder got up to make an announcement, and he touched that microphone like that, and that thing went. <laughs> I'm not touching microphones until I get permission. Praise God. The writer said, I counted dollars while God counted crosses. I counted gain while he counted losses. I counted my wealth by the things I had in store. He sized me up by the scars I bore. I coveted honors and sought for degrees. And he wept as he counted the hours I spent on my knees. I never knew till one day at a grave how vain these things were that we spend our life to save. I want to tell you this morning at the beginning of this little meeting that there's some things just not worth bothering about. If you set your affection on things below, let me encourage you to lift your eyes a little bit higher and set your affection on things above. Praise God. And you know, I thought about this again this morning. All my tomorrows must pass before the Lord before they ever come to me. I can take a comfort in knowing He holds my future. Nothing comes my way but that it's order of God. The Bible said the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. God, I, I want to tell you this morning, if you've got problems, if you don't have any problems, you'll never, you'll never know how good God can be. If you're never sick, you'll never know that God's a healer. If you're never in need, you'll never know God's a provider. All of the falls are touching his hand. I guess I probably stay in trouble if I wouldn't make so many comments before I try to preach but the kisses the kisses of the world are so deceitful oh my. and one last comment someone said doctors mistakes go to the grave lawyers mistakes go to prison and preachers' mistakes go to hell. I don't want to make any mistakes today. And so before we read today, I want you to pray. Ask the Lord to help us. Would you pray? God, today we ask, Lord, for your help. God, in your anointing. Let the anointing of the Holy Ghost come that breaks the yoke, Lord. God, no doubt there's people here that are bound by sin. Problems, God 
need answers. Lord, I cannot help this people, Lord. But God, if you'll work through me, Lord, if God, your anointing will come, the Holy Ghost will move. I believe, Lord, you can do a work here today. I ask God today that you'd arrest the attention, God, of every heart. God, give us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord would say this morning. And in Jesus' precious name, praise God. Song of Solomon or Solomon's Song, chapter number 5, verse number 2. I sleep, but my heart waketh. It is the voice of my beloved that knocketh, saying, Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled. For my head is filled with dew, and my locks with the drops of the night. I have put off my coat, how shall I put it on? I have washed my feet, how shall I defile them? My beloved put his hand by the hole of the door, and my bowels were moved for him. I rose up to open to my beloved, and my hands dropped with myrrh, and my fingers with sweet-smelling myrrh upon the handles of the lock. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone. My soul failed when he spake. I sent him. I called, but he gave me no answer. I sought him, but I couldn't find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. I want to preach for a little while this morning on this simple thought. A sweet-smelling fragrance of a yesterday experience. I want to try to help you today. If your heart's not right this morning, I'm after you today. And God's after you. If you're here this morning and you're depending on some experience of the past to see you through, I'm going to preach to you today. Amen. If you'll give God some glory before you're seated, I'll let you be seated. God, we love you, Master. We love you. Oh, holy God, today, we thank you. We thank you. Master, work a work today in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated today. Thank you so much for standing. Many times we are prone to gauge or measure our depth of spirituality by how we react or don't react in a given church service or a particular circumstance in life. We measure ourselves by our reaction. Sometimes we judge because we don't do certain things our brother or sister is doing. And so that means that because we don't do a particular thing or we do a particular thing that we're in a more elevated spiritual condition or a more elevated stage of spiritual development, if you please. But Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 12 and said, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measure themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Amen. 
You and I today are not the yardstick that we measure ourselves by. It's this black bound book that I preach from. And it's the God we serve. He is the standard today and this book is the standard by which we should measure ourselves. Galatians 5 and 15 said, But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. We are told, we're told that we should not think more highly of ourselves than we ought in Scripture. Do you know one of the most common things that happens to mess a person up living for God is when they think more highly of themselves than they ought. And not only that, they get to the place where they think they know more than the man that preached to them the gospel. Now you're going to find out in the next few days if I last that long that I'm on God's side and the preacher's side. And you're going to find out before this week's over that that man of God is your best friend, in case you don't know. And the day you get to thinking that you know more than he does about God or the Word of God, that's the day when you're in trouble. I've been in churches where certain factions were warring back and forth with the man of God. And I will tell you this much. The day you stand against the man of God is the day you lose. If you're in the habit of backstabbing your preacher or bad-mouthing your preacher, you'll die with preacher blood in your mouth. You'll dig your own grave with your mouth. Why did you say that? It didn't cost you a dime. I'm just letting you know that God gave you a pastor. And you're not saved without a pastor. Radio, TV, evangelists, don't cut it, friend. You need a man of God in your life that'll look you eyeball to eyeball every time you get in church and tell you how to live. How to live. How to live. You need a man of God that will preach to you how to live. You don't know how to live or God would have gave you your own, your own ability to be saved. But he didn't do that. He gave you a shepherd to watch for your soul. The time you spend in church is a very small portion of the time that you spend living for God. And although it's quality time, it's not, it's not fair. It's not just to assess your spiritual condition of how you act here. The best, the best time, the best time is when you're out there. Because what you are here and what you are out there may be two different things. I suppose one of the, the, the truest measures of your spiritual condition is probably best taken to the confines of your own home. Where you can kick your feet up on your own furniture and let your hair down. Where, where the preacher's not looking over your shoulder. Where your brother and your sister's not listening to you raise your voice in anger. Nobody, 
backslides overnight. No one gets up on the morning and says, Today, I'm going to act like the devil. I'm backsliding today. Today, I'm walking out on God. Today, I'm dressing like the world. Nobody does that. There is of necessity a neglect of the inner man that has first taken place. 2 Corinthians 4 and 16 said, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. I want to tell you what Jesus said. He said, If any man will come after me, let him take up his cross daily and follow me. Oh, there's a neglect of that daily routine of just inner maintenance of that inner man. It's got to take place before anybody backslides. Romans 12 and 2 said, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. Proverbs 23 and 7 said, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Ephesians 4.23 said, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Your mind's got a spirit. I didn't say that. The book said it. Your mind's got a spirit. That's why you've got to be so careful what you put in your mind. That's why you can't sit down in front of a television and put that garbage in your mind. Because it contaminates your whole being. That's why you can't read filthy books. You put it in your mind. And you contaminate the spirit of your mind. That's why you can't sit around and listen to gossip. It contaminates your mind. Titus 3, 5 said, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy hath he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Lord. The renewing of the Holy Ghost. I can't begin to tell you how important it is this morning to renew yourself every day in the Holy Ghost. You're going to get in problems with God when you don't renew yourself in the Holy Ghost. A Holy Ghost filled person, Brother Elder, you can, you can tell them just about anything you want to tell them, Brother, within reason, and they'll do it. They won't buck, they won't snort, they won't bow up in their spirit. They'll say, yes, sir. What did you want that done? How, how quick did you want that done? Right away, sir. No problem, sir. When you've got the Holy Ghost, there's something that changes on the inside, friend. Now, you're looking at a preacher. I wasn't always a preacher. Me and Brother William, we got something in common. We both weigh over 200 pounds. But you know what, brother? Me and you, if we wasn't saved, boy, we could go to them bars and clean them dudes up, man. But you know what? When I got the Holy Ghost, all that went out the window. When God gives you the Holy Ghost, you're totally different. You're not the big dog no more. Come on, you're not the big dog no more. 
There's a spirit of humility comes on you. A spirit of submission comes on you. A spirit of obedience comes on you. And it's not, what do I have to do, preacher, to be saved? It's, what can I do, preacher? What can I do? But you've got to renew yourself in the Holy Ghost. Backsliding is generally attributed to when there's a failure to take place of the inner man. There is a slow erosion of the foundation of the confidence in God, faith in God, that's fundamental to your walk with God. Driving over here, I saw these arroyos over here, but the, the water, when it rains really hard, and piles up back here in the mountains, it washes that sand and that soil away, and it cuts a, 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 a crack in the earth, so to speak. You don't, you don't understand what happens when you don't pray. And when the word is preached and you don't want to do it, there's an erosion that's starting to take place on the inside. Your foundation's being destroyed. And the Bible said if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous man do? It's the majority of backsliders can't tell you the date and the time or the place where it all started, where they, where they started to fall away from God. They might at best be able to tell you the last service they were in or the last message that they heard when they finally realized there was something wrong with them. It's that slow erosion of the spirit, of the mind, of the soul of a man or a woman. It's that daily grind, that constant, consistent grind of just living life. Maybe the pressure becomes too great and, and they feel, oh, maybe they feel like they don't have time to pray. But they're destroyed from within before they're ever destroyed from without. I know, I know, I know that, that people are destroyed from within. I suppose the first thing that goes out the window, the first thing they do away with is holiness. That's the first thing you see. They start cutting their hair and wearing clothes they ought not to wear and looking ways they're not supposed to look. But long before that took place, there was an erosion of that inner man. That's why it's so important to stay full of the Holy Ghost because you offset that outside pressure with inside pressure. It's the Holy Ghost that gives you Inside braces for outside pressures. Come on. You ever wonder why some people can live for God where other people fail? It's because the people that live for God on a consistent basis have equalized the pressure. Come on. They have the same problems that you do. They face the same things you do. But they've got a Holy Ghost in here that tells them, hey, I can make it. Jesus will give me victory if I keep walking with him. I'm not going to give up. There'll be a renewing and a refreshing of the Holy Ghost that will come, that will offset the pressure that I feel. But if it's anything we're guilty of this morning, it's resting on the benefit of past experiences that we've had with God or that others have had with God. Job 42 and 5 said, I heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. 
It's not enough just to hear about God. You've got to see Him work in your own life. If you don't have God working in your own life and all you have is a hearing experience, it'll soon get old. What Grandpa had is not sufficient for you or I. I have to have a fresh experience with God. Every day that I live, David said, anoint me with fresh oil. Right. Not new oil, just fresh oil. Right. I don't want rock and chair religion this morning. Psalm 27 and 13, David said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He did not want just to hear about God. He wanted God working in his life. That's why he could write in the same psalm in the fourth verse and say, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after. You know what our problem is? We're not seeking after one thing. We're seeking after many things. But the Bible said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. One thing I learned while I was young in the Lord was that people get honest with themselves and with God too late. They refuse to admit they've got a problem. And it's too late for God to help them or for the preacher to minister an effective remedy for their situation. It's too late. People ask the preacher advice, but their mind's already made up when they go to what kind of answer they want. And when the preacher says yes, no, wait, maybe, or absolutely nothing, they hear only what they want to hear. And they leave that little office and they go their merry way and make a mess out of their life. And then when they've made their mess, they want to come back to the very man they wouldn't listen to. And they want him to straighten their mess out. Why would he have any confidence in you that you'll listen to him now? You wouldn't listen to him before. People, people don't get honest with themselves and with God in time to do anything about their problems. If you're going to go your own way and do your own will and backslide, why involve the preacher in the first place? Why not just go to hell first class? What you want to involve the preacher for? Just go to hell first class. I've talked to backsliders. And they'll tell you as they told me, Preacher, I put my eyes on people instead of God. We live in a world today that's made up of people, real people with real problems and real inconsistencies, real faults. You're not perfect. And I'm not perfect. But the danger is if we get our eyes on one another, we take them off of Christ who is perfect. And we get discouraged because we see people do things that, 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 that offend us, that are not right. We hear them say things that are not right. And we get discouraged and say, well, that's all to live unto God. There is. I don't want nothing to do with it. 
No, no, you misunderstand, friend. You've got to get your eyes on him who's perfect. But they take their eyes off of people. Off of God, rather, and put them on people. They begin to question the man of God in their life. And they say, I can hear from God, too. They quit praying. And they quit reading their Bible. See, if you'll pray and you'll read this Bible, you'll never question the man of God. Because you'll have an understanding that that man's watching for your soul. But when you don't pray and you don't read this Bible, You'll rise up one day and question that man of God and say, I can hear from God too, preacher. Well, I got news for you. You're not, you can pray until your tongue falls out of your head. But God is not going to tell you something contrary to what that man of God has preached or what's written in that Bible. My mind goes to a couple that used to go to our home church, Russ and Christine. They... They, they, they went on this prayer thing and this fast thing. Praying and fasting is the will of God if you do it with the right spirit. They pray a day and fast a day. Then they eat a day. They pray and fast two days and eat two days. They pray and fast three days and eat three days. Brother, they was up into the weeks they was fasting and praying. And you know what they did? They fasted long enough to get carnal. And hear from another spirit. And another spirit got them by the hand. And I will never forget, it's etched in my mind, the night that Christine come floating across that front vestibule of that church. Brother, she sashayed up to me and she looked at me and said, Oh, brother, I love you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I watched her leave me and go up to my pastor and look up at him and say, Oh, Pastor King, I love you. He said, Don't you ever look at me like that. And don't you ever tell me that again like that. There was a spirit working on that woman. You can fast and pray for the wrong reason. There's a woman, oh God, there's a woman that's in that church today. The pastor told her, no, you can't do a certain thing. She went on a 10-day prayer and fast to change his mind. And along about the ninth day, she, she told me what she was doing. And I said, you ain't fasting. She said, I'm not. I said, no, you're starving yourself to death. God ain't hearing you. Yours, Carlos, an old she bear with twin cubs. God ain't hearing that mess. Oh, I can hear from God too, preacher. They would not submit to the man of God. Can I tell you there's no quicker way to split hell wide open than for you to raise up in rebellion and say, I'm not doing what you're saying, preacher? show you something I just saw in scripture here a little while ago where Samuel was talking to Saul after he came back from 
trying to kill Agag, brought him back, and all that business. And Samuel said, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. That is as is in italics. It's an interpolation in Scripture. It really reads, rebellion, the sin of witchcraft. Do you know that when you rebel against authority in the church, you're in witchcraft? I said you're in witchcraft. You're in sorcery. You're in voodoo, if you please. Rebellion is just a little bit more serious than we want to take it for. But there's no quicker way to go to hell than to rebel against the man of God. I think of a man in our church, his name was Chris. He wanted responsibility without accountability. He wanted to preach, but he didn't want anybody to jerk him by the collar and say, Hey, are you praying today? How's your spirit? How's your heart? He wanted the responsibility, but no accountability. And I watched Chris reject the wise counsel of his pastor and push the self-destruct button and destroy his wife and himself and his kids. I could tell you this morning about many people, about Lillian and Barb and Kenny and Adam and Wayne and Mike and Candy and Francisco and Joanne and Carrie and Dave and Brent and on and on. There are people today, there are people today that are on their way to hell. All they have is a sweet-smelling fragrance of a yesterday experience. I saw people like Chris reach for God. But he was not there for them. Chris could never find that stabilizing experience in God. It was as though God were a word on the tip of his tongue that he could almost remember, but not quite. He could almost feel God, but not quite. He knew God was there. Others were feeling God. But he had played so many games with God. But he couldn't feel God anymore. He gambled with his soul. And he lost. And he's on his way to hell even as I preach. Chris and countless others today just have that sweet smelling fragrance of a yesterday experience. Just a bittersweet memory of what used to be. What they used to have but what they can never have again. You see, you're looking at a preacher that believes that somewhere between here and eternity, there's an invisible line. Once you step over that line, it's the point of no return. The preacher can't help you. God can't help you. You can't even help yourself. Knowing God was close, but could not feel Him. Others, others could feel God, but Chris couldn't. God was gone from his life. Stood outside the church house at a meeting one night. Chris had come. He'd been there several times after he backslid for the elder, but he'd come this night. Studs in his ears, long hair. On dope, half drunk. And he left the meeting and I 
My heart was breaking in a million pieces for him. The, the man could preach the birds out of the trees, Brother Elder. He could sing. You could feel conviction when that man would preach. When he'd lead song service, the Spirit of God would move. And here he was in such a deplorable condition. And I left the meeting and I wanted to run out and get him. And, and I caught him at the front door and I said, Chris, Chris, please go back and pray. He said, I can't pray. He said, it doesn't do me any good to pray. He said, I can't feel God. Reached in, got his cigarette, got it going, puffing cigarette smoke in my face, and I begged that man to pray. Tears running down my face, dripping off my chin. I said, Chris, please pray. Please pray. It's your only hope. If you'll just pray, somehow God will forgive you. He said, you don't understand. I come to church. I used to come here. I used to come here after I backslid, and there was times when I'd feel God. And I'd pray for and I'd talk in tongues, and I'd leave, and I'd go home. And three or four days, everything would be great. And so all of a sudden, I'd find myself right back in a complete circle. And I'd find myself reaching for the dope and reaching for the bottle again. And he said, it's like I'm on a merry-go-round. I can't get off. He said, I feel God, and then I can't feel He said, now, now I can't feel Him at all. You could have asked Samson when God had departed from his life. He could not have told you. He could have only told you about the morning when he woke up that day and shook himself and nothing happened. The Bible said he wished not that the Spirit of God had departed from him. If you'd stand this morning. Chris was caught in a vicious circle of his own making. Psalm 27 and 15 talks about a man that made a pit and digged it and fell into it, a ditch what he himself had made. Talks about his mischief shall return upon his own heart and his violent dealing upon his own pain. Chris was caught in the cycle of feeling conviction for the life he was living, of praying long enough to have the conviction just kind of ease a little bit. And allow himself to return to the sinful lifestyle of destruction that he was living. My text tonight, this morning rather, talks about a man and a woman. The man had gone to the home of the woman he loved. She had delayed her coming to the door. Her lover had put his hand on the doorknob, on the lock. Trying to get in. She delayed in answering his call. And when she went to the door, he was not there. Our text said that she sought him but couldn't find him. She called, but he didn't give any answer. She returned to her house. She put her hand on the very same place. He had his hand. She put her hand, no doubt, to her mouth to exclaim her anguish and the going of her lover. And as she did, she smelled his sweet-smelling myrrh. And she only had a sweet-smelling fragrance of a yesterday experience. For her, it seems like it was too late to change. Too late 
to change. I wonder this morning, is it too late for some of you to change? Preacher, please don't say that. Let me give you some hope this morning. I believe with all of my heart the very fact you're here is plain enough for me to believe that God is still dealing with you. But I wonder this morning as I open this altar up for you to pray. The Bible said a backslider in heart shall be filled with his own way. There's nothing apparent. Can't put your finger on it, Brother Elder, but you just know there's something not quite right. Backslider in heart, in heart, shall be filled with his own ways. I wonder this morning, if your heart's not right with God, do you realize Psalm 73 and 18 said, Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down in destruction. How are they brought into desolation as a moment's time? They are utterly consumed with terrors. There will be a time when you want to pray. There will be a time when you want to seek God. And you'll, you'll seek Him, but you won't find Him. You'll call on Him, but you won't get an answer. And all you'll have is that bittersweet memory of what used to be. Of what used to be. It's time to pray this morning. Don't wait for someone else to come and pray. You need to run to this altar. God has opportunity knocking on your door right now. Tomorrow might be too late. Don't put it off this morning. Don't fight off conviction. You're here today and you're just a sinner. You need to repent of your sin. You need to turn your heart over to God. My mom and dad heard the truth and they rejected it. And tonight, today, rather they're in hell without God. But I believe if they could speak to you today, they'd say, please, hear our son. Don't come here to hell. Break up the fallow ground of your heart. might feel like you could feel God any time and come back, but not so, friend. For he said, my spirit shall not always strive with me. I wonder today, is pride keeping you from praying? Will you go to hell in eternity for the sweet-smelling fragrance of a yesterday experience? You don't have to be lost this morning. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You need to open the door to opportunity.
and open the door I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me come on let's open the door to the Lord this morning let's open the door to the Lord this morning God would you crucify my own way I'm so tired of doing things my way God <laughs> thy ways, teach me thy ways, teach me thy ways. Somebody help me pray this morning. Somebody help me pray this morning. Somebody help me pray this morning. Teach me thy ways, God. Teach me thy ways, Lord. Search me, O God, and know my thoughts. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, don't just pray till you're touched emotionally. Pray till the Holy Ghost comes. Oh, we've got to have more than just an emotional touch. We need the Spirit of God. <laughs> 